What a week we had in the Pac-12. We had Chip Kelly and UCLA getting a signature first-year win over rival USC. We had Utah clinching the Pac-12 South, the division nobody wanted to win, finally has a winner. And we are set up for Washington State and Washington in the Apple Cup to decide the Pac-12 North. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Please welcome the lovely Eric. Warren leaves little to chance. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And we're going to start things off with the rivalry of the last two teams to join the conference, Utah and Colorado. Colorado, they were 5-0. and They were 5-5 and coming into this game. They hit a skid. And I'll tell you what, some fools might have predicted they were going to bounce back and sneak up and get a win. Not the case. Utah takes care of business on the road, 30-7. to Just a, you know, a, a comprehensive win for a team, you know, that ends up winning six games in conference. Uh, you know, not great as Pac-12 division champs go, but fine, I suppose. Utah wins. Mike yeah, Mack Mac, Mac, Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. My son, when that game came on the TV and my kid was like, uh, he, you know, he, snow football is such a treat. Uh, you, you recognize it at an early age. You're like, oh, this is, this is fun to watch. I guess we should mention that this game cost, I mean, I don't know if this game cost Mike McIntyre's job, but he won't be coaching any more games after this game. Um, it, it was that weird report last week that he had been let go. You know, and, and then they kind of came out and were like, no, 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 no. But then after this game, he was actually let go. And I, I have to believe that, first of all, I think he's liked in, in Boulder. You know, I think I don't think there's it's not personal. Um, and second of all, his son is a senior on the team, and, and Saturday was senior day. Um, I have to believe that somebody got in front of letting him go and said, uh, we really got to let him have senior day with his son here. Because otherwise, it's going to be weird to have him out on the field with his son on senior day if he's not coaching the team. Yeah, and, uh, and what's the difference? You know, like, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so anywho, you know, he, he got, you know, they had that moment. I'm sure it was it was nice. I'm sure he enjoyed coaching his son. Uh, you know, one final time, probably knew what was coming because it happened immediately after the game. Pretty much Sunday, I think it broke um, that he was uh, that he was going to be let go, or maybe early Monday. Um, and as you as you alluded to, a five and zero start for the Buffs, a win in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, looking up, looking like they're going to be the team, you know, the team of the South, and haven't won a game since five and six. Rough, uh, rough end of the season for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and I kind of see both sides of this Mike McIntyre thing because my first reaction when I see that he's fired, it's I remember two short years ago, right? He's in the Pac-12 title game again. It's a bad South, but. Uh, you know, that's still an accomplishment considering when he took over, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they were as bad as like the Paul Wolf Cougs, the John Embry buffs. I believe that's the guy's name. The the coach prior to Mike McIntyre were a God. They were a God awful football team. Yeah. So for him, for him to turn that around was no small thing. But then on, on the flip side, outside of that one season, Colorado has been abysmal under Mike McIntyre. They were building to the thing in 2016, and you could see signs of it coming on the way. They got more competent, and then they got good with a really senior, senior-laden squad, and it just it just hasn't continued for whatever reason, and 
I, you know, after I, I was a little bit upset last week on Mike McIntyre's behalf because I'm such a fan of his, but uh, really, you know, when you look at the numbers outside of the one season, he, he truly has been terrible and he's been there for, I think five or six years at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see who they hire, uh, you know, consider, I mean, depending on what happens at USC and depending on what happens at Ohio state, this is one of the top jobs that will be open this this year yeah i've seen a bunch of names kicked around the one name i haven't seen kicked around which i think is interesting and maybe because he's in conference already is leach um i think colorado would be a really interesting place for leach and leach you know the the thing that everybody always says about mike leach is you know he's not gonna you know mike leach isn't ever gonna land that 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 big time quality you know that big time program that sec program he's never he's just too quirky and he's too weird but I think in Colorado, there's kind of an interesting – it's an interesting middle ground, you know, because Colorado has won a national championship. Colorado has had a Heisman Trophy winner. Yep. Colorado has a really crazy, you know, sort of history and lineage in football that, that you know, most people don't think about. Um, and and yet at the same time, you know, I don't think anybody would mistake Colorado with one of the blue bloods of, you know, of the college football, you know, regime. And so I think he – he could, you know, they could get away with hiring him, and and it, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just speaking generally, but um, you know, it, it seemed after last season, Mike Leach wanted out of Pullman and tried to leave for a Tennessee job, um, didn't end up working out. Uh, if Colorado was to want to make a, a bold move, I think that would be an interesting name. And then there's a lot of the usual suspects as well that you know get brought up every year when this happens. Yeah, I mean, I. I... Uh, I agree with that. And I actually haven't heard that yet. And it, that makes a lot of sense to me because, uh, you know, it's, it's something to give Leach what he hasn't had in his head coaching jobs, which is a place people might want to live, you know, between Lubbock and Pullman. It's, you know, it's a certain type of guy that agrees to go there. And it's frankly, uh, it's uh, either your players who, make a very wise decision. If you're like a wide receiver and a quarterback and say, I'm just going to suck it up, go here and get some huge numbers or the rest of the players. It's, it's guys who don't have a lot of other options in terms of major conference college football. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to go to a place like Boulder where it's, you know, I mean, it's uh, what a half hour outside of Denver, 40 minutes, something like that. Yeah, it's you know. pretty. It's a nice campus. It's, you know, like I said, I think their facilities are a little dated. That might be the issue. I think WSU, I don't think, WSU does have nicer facilities in Colorado. So that might be, you know, they might have to show that they've got that that lined up. But um, I don't know if he would be seriously considered or if he would even want to, but um, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, because it's like a place that has a lot of the institutional advantages of a power program in terms of having tradition, uh, Closer to Texas, obviously, uh, where Mike Leach has made a lot of hay over the years than Washington State. Uh, and uh, But also might be the type of Power 5 program that at this point is ground down enough to not be so full of itself to think like, oh, we're not going to bring in a gimmick offense. And then also, like I've been talking about, that offense is less and less a gimmick, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That That is kind of maybe how people should play offense. Uh, uh, maybe that's that's a that's a long-standing argument on the show but so, so I'd love, a long-standing disagreement but I'd, I'd love to see leach get a better job i i you know <coughs> it, i mean that'd be interesting as all get out I'd, I'd be a big fan of it 
Uh, next up, let's go UCLA and USC. Uh, Chip Kelly, Clay Helton, we're in Pasadena uh, to a not very full Rose Bowl, which is fine. It seats a lot of people. You can't have everybody filled in there. But I think they may have had something like 30,000 empty seats uh, to watch two teams where USC is the only one with a shot to go to a bowl. USC, they take the early lead. They take a 24-21 lead into halftime. They take a 27-21 lead into the final quarter. UCLA scores 13 unanswered in the fourth quarter to get a big rivalry win. A game that I haven't seen the official word on this, but seemed ought to cost Clay Helton his job. We, I think everybody universally agrees. So why hasn't that happened yet? Because Lin, Lin Swan, right, the AD at, at, at USC, uh, gave Clay Helton an extension earlier this year with, like, a massive buyout. <laughs> I mean, which is, like, it's <laughs> USC. Um, so they've got the money, but it's still, I mean, that's got a smart, um, you know, to not have any, you know, any outs there. Um, I don't know. The type of contract that gets an agent more clients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they got to do something. It's no good. It's no good for them. And, uh, you know, lost a lost UCLA team that has 57, something like that scholarship players. Um, just, just brutal and nothing, no positive momentum for USC. Their recruiting hasn't been that good. Obviously, you know, Clay Helton's on his way out, it would appear. Uh, but you know, not, not much else to say about this game other than, you know, it'll be interesting to see who USC looks to hire. Um, as one of the you know best jobs in America, quote unquote, that never seems to get a marquee name. Yeah, why is that? Yeah, because I mean uh, the Pete Carroll stuff was so good. I you can I guess kind of see them wanting to recreate that magic, but it's been long enough. Right, time to time to go outside that family. Uh, Want to shout out Joshua Kelly, UCLA junior running back in this game, two hundred and eighty nine yards on the ground and a couple touchdowns. Uh, embarrassing for USC to be allowing that to anybody, much less a team late in the year struggling to find their third win. Uh, from a guy who's a transfer from UC Davis playing for UCLA and gets that, those kind of numbs against USC. That's pathetic. Yeah. Uh, next up we have Oregon hosted Arizona state, uh, Oregon 31 to 29 winners in this game, a good close game where Oregon takes a pretty solid lead into halftime and Arizona state battles back Oregon really should have put this game away by more. It was starting to look like the Stanford game in terms of like just dumb turnovers for them, like muffin punts, giving the ball away for no reason. Uh, but they do enough to hang on. They scored three points in the second half, and that's enough to give them their two-point margin of victory. Uh, presumptive first quarterback taken in the NFL draft, Justin Herbert, uh, uh, one of his head-scratcher games. One of his games where you and I would say, go get drafted young man. If they'll take you early because, uh, 262 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, one of them, at least one of them was to their good offensive player, Donovan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell, I believe. What's his name? Dylan. Oh, is it Dylan Mitchell? No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then, uh, the other one to the running back, CJ Verdell, who I believe got hurt in this game somehow. Um, yeah. So I don't, I mean, Two touchdowns, two picks, not really a great game from Justin Herbert. I mean, Arizona State's like all right, but they had him on the ropes and they just couldn't step on their neck, you know, to finish this game. It, this, this, it wasn't, it should never have been that close. It's a tale, uh, you know, a tale of two halves for Oregon, both for, you know, 
this game and for the season. Um, you know, at least they finish out with a, a home win uh, against, you know, against a pretty game Arizona State team. But, um, you know, they had a great offseason in terms of PR and you got the Phil Knight money machine pumping out PR and, and, and talking them up. And then they come out of the gates, gangbusters, culminating with that win over UW. And then ever since then, it's been tough sledding for Justin Herbert and the Ducks. And, you know, like I said, at least they get this win. They're, they're going to go bowling this year, so that's a positive. But uh, another a team that at this point probably wouldn't mind for the season to end to, to, you know, to start pumping out PR, you know, press releases again where they can excel over everybody else. Yeah, which they are, and they have a staff full of excellent recruiters, and you just want to see them get to it. But, I mean, honestly, you say – uh, from where they were coming from, we, we also can't forget that Oregon is on their third coach in three years and were not great the last two years, you know? Uh, oh, for sure. So, uh, job done for them this season in terms of getting to bowl eligibility. They get a big win over Washington, uh, and they have something to sell. And they have, uh, from all reports, guys who are very good at selling it. So, uh, a positive season for them and heading into the Civil War game where they are going to be favored. So, Next up, uh, Stanford and California. This game was not played due to uh, the fires, right? The Was that the campfire, yep. that one? Correct. So, air quality, no good. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, this podcast has a pretty uh, strong position on climate change, and we're not surprised by this. Yeah, yeah. All we right. believe it's in fact happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, how about Arizona and Washington State? Cougs in the first half of this game came out scoring crazy touchdowns. They had 55 points in the first half of this game uh, enough where they can just skate home in the second half. Really the perfect outcome for them. I, I didn't see how this was reflected in the CFP rankings today, whether or not they jumped Oklahoma. I guess I can look that. I up. don't, I don't know. I don't believe they did. That was kind of the scuttle that it might happen. I doubt it. They have to beat like a UW for that to happen. Yeah, and so it looks like no, they did not, and they're still behind LSU somehow. Which I suppose LSU has what a win over Auburn, and yeah, I don't know, but I, that seems silly to me. Yeah. Anyway, to, well, here's what I took away from this game is that Washington State has the absolute juice this year, uh, and then also I want to stump for Gardner Minshew for Heisman. Uh, okay. I don't. Go ahead. So he throws for 473 yards and seven touchdowns this game, which is a Washington State record. And this is a school that has people that have thrown the ball. That's like where they're true to, you know, when they're strong, that's why they're strong, is because they're excellent at throwing. Uh, he spread the ball everywhere, 43 out of 55. I mean, how gorgeous is that? Uh, and here's why I like him better than uh, Tua for the Heisman, right? And Tua is an excellent quarterback. But. How do you give the Heisman to a guy like Tua Tagovailoa has played, uh, to my knowledge, into in the fourth quarter in one game so far this season, right? Yeah. And I think about what is Alabama without him? Yeah. Undefeated. You know? They're good. They're still good yeah. as hell. <laughs> They're uh, really good. What's WSU without this kid coming out of nowhere? Not as good. Not, Not as good. Nowhere near as good as this. So, like, and then you – and then uh, you – Combine that with the fact that Tua has had this knee thing that's like kind of limited his uh, playing time the last couple of weeks. I, I truly think there's a window for Minshew to uh, get in there on the Heisman. 
Uh, and he is, I mean, he's a strong performance in the rivalry game away from being like a, an a, a extreme threat to actually win the award. I don't think he has any shot to win the award. I think he, he has a good Apple Cup. I think he gets the invitation to New York. I, I just don't think anybody's going to give it to him over to him. I think that like they awarded that. They gave him that award six weeks ago. Yeah, that's and, the weirdest thing. They gave it to him in early October because Alabama yeah. was so good. But that just seems so crazy to and me. And it's just like it's like Alabama, but with an offense. And now and like he's gotten a hundred percent of the credit for that. And I mean, even last week, I, I think he threw for four touchdowns against the Citadel. I mean, it's not like they played anybody, but you know, last week. But it, it, you know, he's not having great games, but he's not also doing anything to lose. You know, to lose the award. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, it, I was I was listening to a podcast. I mean, it was the Audible uh, with Mandel and Feldman this week, and they, I mean, it's they're they're basically and these are like national guys. I mean, they're speaking as if it is a done deal. It's bizarre to me. I agree with I agree with you that I'm not I, I don't understand it, but <clears throat> I I don't believe that Minshew. I mean, barring a 700 yard, 10 touchdown Apple Cup, which would make me very sad. Um, I I just don't see how he can jump him for the award. I think I see how he can get to New York, but um, I think he's got a very difficult path to winning the award. Yeah. I, it just seems crazy to me like that you would, that you would consider it such an open and shut deal for a player that is like, you know, I mean, obviously he's very good and he, and he makes Alabama better, but you know, to, like what's the difference? You know, they win by, you know, uh, 24 points instead of like, so, well, they, the difference is that they continue to win the national championships because Jalen Hurts is still there. Like they, yeah. the guy who was actually the quarterback uh, the last couple of years is still on campus. Well, he's hurt. He's hurt worse than Tua is, you know. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he was he was good enough to get them into the national title game before like Tua. I mean, Tua didn't even play last year until the second half of that game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like. Yeah, I, I mean, like the the thing that makes it crazy to me is that he's played so little in the fourth quarter because they've just hammered everybody. And Alabama's played something like the you know seventy. They played like a bottom half of FBS in terms of strength of schedule so far this year, even with yeah. all this SEC play done. It's like you know, to me the high what I think of a good Heisman winner is a player coming out of goddamn nowhere for some team that isn't traditionally in the mix and leads them to a historic season, which is to this point. And he's, and he's got a funny name. Yeah. He's got a funny name. He's like, he's a good, you know, goofy guy. He's got the mustache. He gives, he's a great interview. He's got some quirks to him. If you read stories about him, uh, like that's, that's a Heisman trophy winner. Not, you know, not this like, like, I don't know. I mean, not like the, the, the quarterback for the good team. I yeah, don't know. I'm with you. I'm uh, with you. That's it. There's more. There's more of like the true essence of why people like college football about Gardner Minshew than there is about Tua. I mean, there. I mean, it's cool that there's like a Hawaiian guy in uh, Tuscaloosa. That's funny. Uh, but it's he's like he's like a pretty understated guy. And just yeah, the thing that and I'll say it for an eighth time: that play play the whole game. Show me that he's necessary. Yeah, for sure. Know. All right, Oregon State and Washington. The dogs come out of this game, uh, coming off the bye, uh, and uh, explode Oregon State in the first quarter. Offense looks as good as it has all year. They get 28 first quarter points. They score 14 the rest of the game. Uh, game never gets close. Uh, Washington comfortable, 42 to 23. Oregon State 
uh, doing what they have done in terms of like, I mean, they just get we're you know, they should have just been knocked unconscious by how good Washington came out of this game, but they stick around. They put some points up on the board. They get 23, uh, good game for the dogs. Good game. Miles Gaskin, great senior day. Jake Browning, you know, one, one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the history of the university of Washington, a school where we have good quarterbacks, uh, great way to send them out. And kind of sent out in the way that uh, is more fitting what uh, people will remember of him outside of that year uh, in 2016 when he had Ross and Pettis, which is like, he's not blowing anybody away, but he's a really solid 17 to 23 for 240 yards and three touchdowns, you know, like not. And that one touchdown to Fuller was a dime. That was like a nice throw. That was a gorgeous throw. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was, that was, that was picture perfect, but like. It's not video game numbers like he had in high school or like he had his sophomore year, but it's solid. I mean, like a winning quarterback uh, did what he's done, I believe, more of than any quarterback in Washington history, which is win the football game. Yeah, I mean, look, we we, we said last week on the pod that this was free money, anybody betting the spread on this, because I mean, UW was never going to win this game by 30 points. Um, Oregon State's had a competent offense all year. Um, they, you know, have not – um, folded, you know, against better, less, you know, better opponents. And, you know, Jonathan Smith, it, you know, was the offensive coordinator at Washington for years. Um, he knows the offense. He's going to be able to help his defensive coordinator out quite a bit. Um, and he's got some talent with Jamar Jefferson. I mean, that, that running back is a good player. Um, and so, you know, I, this game, the fact that Washington got up so big early was, was really important, I think, for, for them to be like, oh, okay, we got this. And then from there, it was just kind of a slog, um, but never really any stress. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that is about as good as this Washington team has been this year, where they're not like you're never having a, a wire-to-wire celebration like, you know, some of these Washington State games have been or Washington has been in years past when they were good. Uh, every game's yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> you, you can always see how much better it could be. But, you know. Eight and three. Is, is, yeah. You know, and, so. and, in with a shot for the division this week against Washington state, you know, I mean, you, you take it. Absolutely. We've had worse years. That, yep. <laughs> all righty. So <laughs> on picks last week, speaking of bad, I went, I only won one game again for the second week in a row. And I have dropped under 500. It's, it's not going well to you. You're kind of like Oregon at this point in terms of the, the trajectory of the second half for you. It's not going well. It really hasn't, and uh, and I would say you are four and twelve in the last three weeks. That is not good. That's <laughs> yeah, just rough. Sorry. Right. Uh, well, Worm and I also did poorly at two and three. So the good news is you didn't give up too much ground. Um, uh, the overall records are forty nine thirty two and one, forty seven thirty four and one, and forty forty one and one. God damn it! That is not good. <laughs> Big week this week. You got a bunch of games, a couple of long conference games, so you got you can you can bring it bring it back. Alrighty, uh, so let's get into next week's action. We're going to start off with a civil war on Friday, uh, Oregon and Oregon State. I'm not seeing a line on this game, which I'm upset about because I wanted to take Oregon State in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a, if it's a pick em game, you got to take Oregon. Although you know this is a year to get Oregon there. You know, get them. In, Oregon State's defense was game last week against Washington. If they play aggressive and you know Herbert throws three or four picks, I think Oregon State's got the got the offense to actually hang. But 
but I'm going to take the Ducks. You don't lose more games than you win by taking the team that's obviously going to win. And so I want the Beavers. <laughs> I love it. Uh, next up, let's go to Stanford and UCLA. Uh, you know, interesting game, honestly, you know, UCLA as a home dog here. Uh, but I mean, I guess like what you'd have to say is that UCLA did what they came to do this season in terms of kind of like Oregon state season. You're just looking for one win to hang your head on. They get the best passable one because they get the one in the city that destabilizes their crosstown rival. All of a sudden next year, they're going to be a year ahead in their rebuild, uh, compared to USC. They have more to do than USC, but, uh, you know, yeah, they've got considerably more building to do, but yes. But yeah, I mean, I'd say like, I mean, it really, the, the outcome of the game doesn't matter for either of these teams. Uh, we're still missing our Sega white side, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that Stanford just has the, a better defense in terms of being, they're not going to let UCLA's, you know, transfer running back go for 280 yards or whatever. Yeah, that's um, for sure. So I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with this, but I'll, I'll I'm going to pick Stanford. I agree with that. I'm going to take UCLA. I think you're right, but <laughs> I got to make my picks. I got to shoot my shot. Uh, this is the we've got a territorial cup uh, in Arizona, a game that uh, Arizona State, you know, when they were coming back against Oregon, they were in with a shot for uh, the Pac-12 South because I believe they held the tiebreaker over Utah uh, this season. So if they were able to uh, come back and win against Oregon, all of a sudden this game would have been for something. Uh, yeah. But it's, but, not. but it's not, it's not for anything really. I mean, but well, I guess Arizona's playing for bowl eligibility. Uh, the interesting game, you know, uh, cause I, it's the, it's the rivalry. I've never been able to take the temperature of how seriously this game is taken in Arizona. You know, I mean, these are yeah. two pretty big schools. You figure they'd not like each other. You know, there ought to be some pride on either side. Uh, but Khalil I think the University of Arizona is actually like surprisingly small. It is a tiny, tiny little school, uh, and that's maybe why they're good to focus on uh, basketball. But I don't know. I mean, Khalil Tate looked better uh, in terms of physical health against Washington State than he'd looked all year because they were coming off a bye, uh, and <laughs> and he looked worse at uh, football. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he was running a little bit better, but, you know, how much of that is do you put up to uh, a, a very game? Uh, you know, belief is such a special thing, and the and the Cougs believe in what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so, like, I I, I mean, I'm I'm willing to say that they're good. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm not shocked that Arizona, you know, went up there and I mean, I'm shocked in the manner they were getting exploded in the first half. Cause there were dumb mistakes, but also the way the Pac-12 South is, I like a team that just got embarrassed because <laughs> that means they're going to turn around and be good because that, that division makes no sense. So I'll take the wildcats as home dogs in this game. Give me the Herms. I'm trying to go. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if you can tell my strategy. I like a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That's it. I know what you're doing. Okay. All right. As long as you can Here, see. Here's another shot we got right here. Here's the <laughs> metal. <laughs> okay. We've got Colorado and California. We've got a lame duck coach. Cal's already bowl eligible. They can't, you know, they can maybe, you know, what's the difference between going to the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl or going to the Sun Bowl or whatever the difference is? As, as big a Sun Bowl fan as I am, I feel like I might be the only one, you know, like nobody's like, uh, you know, like pushing oh, people out of the way to get to El Paso as much as they should, because what a fine game. Uh, Colorado and California. Colorado are 12 and a half point underdogs in this game. But I'll tell you what, bowl eligibility is on the line for Colorado. This would be a big win yeah. for them. Get them some extra practices against a California team that isn't particularly prolific at scoring the ball. So that, this is another thing to keep in mind. We've got, I mean, Cal's un, unquestionably the better team, right? But a lot of yeah. it's because their defense is so good. But they're not really point yeah. scorers. So... I, I don't even think this is a bad pick. I'm going to take the buffs again. <laughs> oh, man, the buffs have killed me so much. I Look, it's not a bad pick. I, I, I don't know that like I buy this whole like bowl eligibility nonsense, but 12 and a half points for a team like Cal, it doesn't do any scoring. Um, that's where I, I think this is not a bad pick because, you know, because Colorado's, got a decent offense and got LaVisca Chenault and was playing. Um, and so I, I could easily see Colorado getting inside the number. I, I, I don't know about them beating Cal. Cal's had a, a you know pretty great year actually for, by the, for the standard that they were looking at. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see them getting inside 12 and a half. I'm going to take Cal. Uh, Colorado uh, during their six game losing streak are one and five against the spread. Uh the Which one means you, sir, are one in five. No, 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 uh, uh, no! I didn't that, that because the one time Colorado covered it was against Washington, and I had Washington. So I'm zero and six in Colorado's last <laughs> six games against the spread. And I'll tell you what, and I, and I have picked Colorado outside of that Washington game to uh, cover every one of those games. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will not learn. Uh, I'm, um, I'm tin cupping these goddamn buffs, and they're going bowling. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. All right. All right. Okay, here's – I'm not going to do it in this game. Notre Dame and USC. Notre Dame's on the road. Notre Dame are 10.5-point favorites. Give me give me the Irish. No way, USC. No way. Get the fuck out of here, yeah. USC. Even I, in this game, in this scheme I'm running this week, no way. Which means yeah. USC to win comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got Utah and BYU, a BYU team that had that big win against Wisconsin. Uh, and then they, you know, like happens to once proud programs, you get a glimmer of success and then all of a sudden, oh, here we come. But this is a, here's a game that God damn it. I wish was on our radar. They played Northern Illinois and lost seven to six. Yeah. <laughs> that I is know. wild. Yeah. In 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 DeKalb, right? Like we talked about this game, didn't we? Didn't we discuss our dining options? No, that was Utah, not BYU. Oh, oh, oh! BYU okay. played at home against Northern Illinois. They hosted 
the DeKalb faithful and lost that game seven to six. I'm the second this podcast is done. I'm I'm watching the highlight from that game. I'm assuming there's only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, by and, definition, can only be one. Yeah. I mean, there may be some good defensive plays. I doubt it. That's you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, to BYU's uh, credit, they win their last two games at UMass and then at home against uh, New Mexico State to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, yeah. No dice. I'm Interesting. Yeah, I'm – oh, man. Yeah, I just like Whittingham so much, you know, that I can't so – Yeah, I'm not, that Jason Shelley kid is, it turned out to be like a pretty – pretty good quarterback and I don't know BYU's not any good I'm taking give me the Utes and that brings us to the grand spectacle of the Apple Cup you know as it's been the last uh, a couple times recently which is the game for the Pac-12 North now these have been games where prior to this year even though uh, even though last year it was similar circumstances where Washington State was actually ranked higher than Washington going into the Apple Cup but also, everybody knew Washington was going to win. Washington was comfortably favored in that game and yeah. erased him. And all all evidence suggests that Chris Peterson uh, has a little box in his office that he puts Mike Leach in, you know? Yeah, he's got like his Apple Cup game plan. Yeah. And it's like, this, this is how you win this game. And he just gets it out every year. It's on a little three-by-five card and just, yeah. He seems to he seems to own Leach, although Vegas doesn't buy it. Vegas has got installed the Cougs as three point favorites here. Uh, they're riding Gardner Minshew. I I think I mean this. I'm excited for this game. I I can see it going either way. Oh, think, for sure. You know, WSU is going to face. Uh, you know, UW is going to do the thing they do uh, in all these games. You know, all the Apple Cup games where they're going to bring four and they're going to drop seven and they're going to basically say you're going to have to to run 15 plays to be, you know, on every drive to beat us. And, you know, historically Washington state's offensive line has not been up to that. And UW has gotten pressure with four and WSU's quarterbacks have made mistakes. And that is, that has tipped the balance of the game relatively early in the contest. It's been apparent that was going to happen. But WSU's, I mean, we talk all about Gardner Minshew, but WSU's offensive line this year has played, a hundred times better than they have in recent years. Um, they have all stepped up. And so if Washington brings four and isn't able to get pressure, Minshew has shown he will stand there for as long as it takes for someone to get open, which will happen eventually. Um, and so I think that, I mean, that matchup, Washington's D-line versus uh, WSU's O-line is going to be the whole the whole game right there. Okay. I, I like that. I agree with that uh, from the X's and O's standpoint. And then also, I always like to talk about expected outcome in this game, right? Where Washington thinks they're going to beat Washington State, and that's what usually happens because everybody is fine with that. But here's what I say. I'm uh, giving a, a juice exception to that. And Washington State has the pure juice this year where they have had enough success that it's going to steal them, where in years past when things go wrong against them in the Apple Cup, they fold up and uh, let the game happen to them, you know? Uh, But this year, I think because they've been so successful, because they are having a special historic year on the Palouse, I would expect them to be mentally strong enough uh, if things were to go against them during the early portions of this game that 
they will be fighting longer. That they, for the first time in a minute, go into this game legitimately believing they're going to win. And that goes a long way to helping you. And that's why that's why this game is going to be fun to watch. Because you're going to have two pretty good football teams, and you'd have to say on evidence, Washington State better than Washington, based on results, uh, that truly believe that they're going to win the game. And that's where you get good football. Uh, because, you know, just like with... Uh, you know, Chiefs and Rams. It doesn't matter what happens. Everybody keeps trying the entire time and believing that the good thing's going to happen. Yeah, and if you're all Washington on offense, I swear to God, if you don't give Miles Gaskin the ball, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, that guy is so good, so good, and has been for so long. You know, feed him the rock and let him do work. Well, we're so – yeah, should win. going. We've been really blessed. Uh, going back to uh, the Chris Polk, Bishop Sankey, Miles Gaskin, uh, back to back to back, in terms of like really good college football running backs uh, who get get up for the Apple Cup in particular. You know, who like save some of their best work for it. And Miles, uh, you know, I mean, you you just have to look back to the Fiesta Bowl last year uh, when you know we're playing a Penn State team that uh you know had saquon barkley you know who was like what number three pick in the draft or something like that and has been excellent in the pros and miles is there scoring touchdowns doing saquon's barkley's touchdown celebration like that guy is a dog he he likes he takes things personally uh and that's a good attitude to have in a game like this where again a lot of belief on both sides going to be really really riveting stuff absolutely i'm excited all righty, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.